0: Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian, and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this current series, we have been discussing CIC issue number 48, the dishonoring of God and popular spiritual warfare teachings. Now, the last couple of weeks, we took just a short break from that and we talked about greater works than these. Today, we're going to pick back up and discuss the Tower of Babel. Now, when we left off last week, you had a quote that I want to share now, and then we will talk about Genesis 11. So the quote that we ended with from last week was from your article, and it's this. We are promised greater miracles than Jesus did, greater revival than the book of Acts, and power and authority previously unknown in church history. All of this while God is at risk, vulnerable, and having somehow lost his sovereign control over his own creation. I'm going to actually continue on. An example of how far some of these teachers go in twisting scripture can be found in Francis Frangipane's explanation of the Tower of Babel. So that's, where, that's what brings us to the Tower of Babel. What does Frangipane have to say about that?
1: Well, of course, uh, God must diminish so that the false teachers can have all authority and power. Right. We can't really trust God to run His own universe, according to them. Let's quote Francis Frangipane. Okay, he referring to God said that whatever mankind imagined, it had the potential to accomplish. But that's not what it says, right? You know, so let let's... me read what it does say. Genesis eleven six. Okay, all right. Uh, and the Lord said, "Behold, there are one." people and they all have the same language this is what they began to do and now nothing which they purpose to do would be impossible for them genesis 11 6. okay well what did they purpose to do build the tower of babel right did they actually get that done
0: no because god intervened
1: right but they uh, these teachers they always a uh, import their own meaning into this okay so what i said in this article god chose not to allow them to realize the full potential of their evil intents to complete their aspirations without submission to god's authority so their intent was to build this sugerod or this astrological uh tower this is certainly historical babylon had these sort of um places where people would want to somehow reach the gods yes which is really what they wanted to do we've talked about that in other contexts but here god intervened they they couldn't do it right so how do you learn about the power of human imagination the power of believing your own words and not learn about god's sovereignty by reading this text in genesis
0: Yeah, you'd have to just willfully choose to ignore the point of the account in Genesis.
1: Right. And so I I said in this article, this was written in 1998, and that was a long time ago.
0: Yeah.
1: But look at this. They, They really were just getting into the New Age. And so I said, this hardly differs from the popular New Age credo that's constantly repeated. Whatever a man can conceive and believe and can achieve.
0: Wow. Yes, that is really, they're saying the same thing. Right. It's about the power of humans and our imagination on what we can create rather than God and his sovereignty over human affairs.
1: So why would anybody believe that humans can do anything they can believe when God thwarted what they intended to do?
0: Right. Exactly.
1: By the way, I found a book, and, uh, and I want to show that here so people know where to go do their own research if so they can still get this. Okay. And the name of the book is A Different Gospel by D.R. McConnell. This book was written, I believe, about 1988. It was, 1988. I found this the other day. Uh, and here, when I was doing my own research to understand these things, a long time before the here, he wrote his book and uncovered all of this. It revealed where it came from, which was E.W. Kenya. Okay. A lot of these books you can still get on eBay or some used bookstore. Yeah. Oh, did that all go away? No, it didn't. They just resurrected it in some other form. Right. I also cite Pat Robertson in this article. Okay. And about well, everybody heard of Pat Robertson back in those days.
0: Yes. The eighties,
1: yeah, the eighties were amazing.
0: <laughs> it was an interesting time for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, the fact is that there were a lot of scandals. Jim and Tammy Baker, uh, rise of the televangelists, and so Christian claims were broadcast all around in ways they never had been before. Okay. And so. Here's what Pat Robertson said about Genesis 11, 6 through 8. Here's what he says. God's assessment is blunt. Mankind in unity becomes absolutely overwhelming. Mankind in unity becomes absolutely overwhelming.
0: Then my question to him would be, overwhelming to who? Is, Is God overwhelmed by our unity?
1: Well, I think this all boils back to a, a really bad theology that doesn't recognize God's sovereignty, doesn't right. recognize his power over his own universe. It doesn't recognize what the author intended, uh, which is the Holy spirit inspired author of Scripture. What did he, what did Moses intend when this was written? You,
0: yes. I don't. I don't think Moses was intending to show us the power of human imagination and unity, he was intending to show us both God's sovereignty and how mankind spread around the world. This was this was really an important dividing point in human history.
1: Exactly. And it comes on the heels of the flood and God's judgment and many of the things we've talked about in previous episodes of this podcast. And the fact is, that we need to learn what God's teaching us, not imagine something and then believe it and then speak it and then ultimately create our own reality with God sitting on the sidelines.
0: Right. And why why would that story give us any reason to believe that if we did all unify and had this powerful imagination that we, we could accomplish anything, why would we think God wouldn't thwart it again? <laughs>
1: Well, there's a huge deception, and that's obvious. Yeah. And this isn't new. Now, a lot of people now think, well, look at all these new things that are coming on the scene now that we have the internet, now that we have all these different ways to communicate and get together and have one plan. But this was in the 80s before anyone had websites and access to the internet. They had Christian broadcasting networks. But what happened uh, due to these Christian broadcasting networks broadcasting all of these grandiose claims? Well, it
0: seems like there was scandal after scandal after scandal, and they all—you know—I mean, some of them are still around. There's the same garbage is still out there, but most yeah. of them were discredited.
1: Well, this all began with the idea that we are in charge of the spirit realm and we need to rearrange the principalities and powers and we need to uh, somehow get our act together. Otherwise God's stuck. Right. And we, we cite a bunch of these things as we go through this, held in the heavens until Earl Paul, I think we talked about that. Yeah. So God can't do what he wants to do until we get things right and give him permission.
0: Right. And the now, evidence in Scripture is the exact opposite. God is sovereign. No purpose of his can be thwarted.
1: Right. He will;
0: His plans will come to pass. Wow. It, it should be so simple, and yet they make it so convoluted.
1: So I wonder why people find more hope in their ability to get unity to speak things into existence To believe their own words, then they'd have hope in trusting God and His promises. Why would that be?
0: You know, there's so much pride in that. And part of that is just our fallen sin nature. But we can't fix things as much as we might want to. I think we can't fix them.
1: Or we would like to. I've heard people say, Well, if it's if God's in charge, then I can't stand this. May not go my way. I can't I can't explain it. Yeah. I, I I don't have any hope. And I remember one time I debated someone who taught open theism who said, well, we've got to make God fair. And so if God doesn't know the future, then he's off the hook.
0: Wow. As yeah, if God no. was on the hook in the first place.
1: Well yeah. I just... why do people who claim to be Christians Say they can't believe God is capable of running his own universe the way he sees fit for his glory, for the greater good of bringing glory to himself by saving a people.
0: Well, and what makes us think we would do a better job of it than our sovereign, omnipotent, (laughs) triune God? I'm sorry, we'll bungle it.
1: Well, the history shows that. Humans can't be trusted. Blessed is the man who trusts in God. Amen. Cursed is the man who trusts in man who makes flesh his strength. That is simple. Yes. Th- these other schemes really are dishonoring to God, confusing, and harmful.
0: They and are. And I made
1: a statement in this, and I, a lot of people will never go back to, to read this or find it, but it published in 1998. Okay. And I stated, based on this statement by Pat Robertson, how hard it seems for modern evangelicals to find the sovereignty of God anywhere, even when it's most powerfully demonstrated. That was my assessment when I wrote this about 10 years after some of these claims were made in the 80s. Yeah. I wrote in 98. I was in seminary at the time. Okay. Why are we so afraid that God can't run his own universe? Right.
0: And, and the I mean, fact
1: that he, uh, the tower builders were scattered because God intervened. God confused their languages. And then we have the table of nations. God actually draws out the boundaries of the nations. That's in Acts 17 as well. Paul said that when he was speaking To in the Athens, and so God draws the boundaries of nations on the scene of history. There's wars, there's battles, there's all these issues throughout history, but we still have nations with boundaries.
0: Right. And the archaeological evidence points to this being true. I mean, there's a reason why archaeologists find ziggurats in South America.
1: This actually happened. Yeah.
0: The people, God really did spread out the nations from there, and wow. the pagan people went right back to building their ziggurats to worship the stars. It it yeah. should be so so very obvious that this is not only true, but that God was sovereign over the whole thing. Absolutely,
1: and- I I bought some uh, slides that were. On the book of Acts, I'm teaching through Acts and Sunday school.
0: Yeah.
1: I bought a whole bunch of slides for each of the chapter of Acts, and I have a couple for tomorrow, Sunday school, which by the time this is broadcast, it won't be tomorrow. Yeah. But there it proves that this Gallio was actually the person mentioned in Acts 18 at Corinth. Yeah. And they found it. And so I'm going to show the slide that here it is. so why? not believe the bible it's proven accurate again and again
0: exactly
1: so then what this article was about was this all dishonors god yep and the ancient cultures especially the ones of the ancient near east were an honor shame culture yes or cultures Mm -hmm. and to be dishonored would be the horrible thing that you would not even want to imagine Okay, right, mm-hmm. and I talked about that in regard to the gospel and a recent sermon. Okay, God willingly bore the shame of the cross in the person of the second person of the Trinity, the Son, who created the whole universe according to John 1 1 through 18. And he was crucified, he lived a sinless life, was born of a virgin crucified, and he was mocked by both Romans and Jews, and he was treated shamefully for the shame so that those who believe in him could ultimately find honor that none of us deserve. Yes. Be called sons and daughters of God, whom he has bestowed grace and mercy upon. That's the gospel. You find that at the very end of First Corinthians 1, which I've been preaching on. Okay. So to say that God somehow fails, but if we get our act together, we'll help him out, and it'll all turn out the way we say with our words. That's why I call this dishonoring God. Through the cross, God willingly did this. Yes. and he didn't need us. Did anybody think, well, I think what I really need Uh, And if God does this, then I'll believe in him, is I want a crucified, shamed Jewish Messiah, uh, and then I'll believe.
0: Right. Nobody said that. Nobody
1: said that. First Corinthians 1 and 2, just read the chapters. Yeah. That's not what people are looking for. But these Christian teachers, whatever their motives are, they're seriously deceived.
0: Yes. And And this
1: dishonors God. And if the idea of God's sovereignty is something that offends you, then there's something wrong. We need to search the scripture.
0: I, I, okay? just, had a, well, I just had a thought pop into my head that, that kind of really shows how God just reiterates God's sovereignty. After the flood, God told Noah, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, right? True. Well, What didn't his grandchildren do? fill the earth. They were all concentrated at Babel, had their plan. They were going to build their tower to heaven and they were going to do their thing. And so God comes and he thwarts their plan and he spreads them out and they are fruitful and they multiply and they quite literally fill the earth. God was sovereign over fulfilling his own command to Noah in that situation. He, he used the means of their sin to fulfill his purpose.
1: Absolutely. And that's what I think is the problem. Now, people don't understand the doctrine of prov- providence. Yes. Okay. And so I found an article we published on that and I printed a copy of it. I'm going to bring it to church tomorrow. And so we'll have to look at that as well. Our theology has to be derived. Yes. General revelation tells us that there's a creator God. Yep. The heavens declared the glory of God, but to know who he is, what he said, how he, what his moral will is, what his plan of salvation is, and why we're still here and he hasn't judged us, we need specific revelation, a special revelation, and that's from scripture alone. Right. And so, scripture is not concerned to present God so he seems fair to us. Right. God speaks for himself, and he does so through scripture. Holy Spirit-inspired writers. And in Sunday school, I think last week, I asked the class, why is the church age going on?
0: Because there are still people that God is calling to himself. There are people who he will yet save.
1: That's the answer that came from someone in class. And it's the right answer. Yeah. How long will the church age go on that? We don't know.
0: No. The only thing we can say is until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in,
1: we don't know. When that is or we don't know. Right. So what's the purpose that we are on the earth now and that there are believers and that we gather and that we pray and that we teach and that we read the Bible. Why is this all going on? Because God is sending out people to preach the gospel. He's sending his message all over the world. And God will save people in places we don't even know about now. Right. Getting more emails than you are too through social media. It's amazing uh, how people are hearing the truth and believing in Christ, getting delivered from false beliefs that they were told in the name of Christ, but it was false. and We need to continue to teach the truth because God is calling people to himself through the gospel. Yes. But the false belief is that God is waiting for us to get our act together. Wow. And so there's another quotation here. We got a little time. Okay. Um, I want to quote what I said in 1998. This theology... Will not result in the removal of principalities and powers, Christian dominion over cities, or a world under the dominion of Christian overlords. It will merely result in a church that is paralyzed by the fear that if one negative confession is uttered or it becomes necessary to correct error rather than join a watered-down ecumenism, We shall have given Satan jurisdiction over the planet, and God will be on the outside looking in.
0: Yeah, right. And you know what? If we actually could get that authority, I can say with certainty we would fumble it away. If it were dependent on us, we would drop the ball every single time.
1: That's a very good point. Someone gave me a book uh, a few weeks ago that's fairly, excuse me, it's newly published. And it's about how now the great sin is CO2, which is carbon dioxide. Every human produces CO2. Yes. Every plant, that uh, green leafy plants, they need CO2. Right. And so the book, which I believe was written somewhere in, in Europe, saying that now by defining the production of CO2 as sin, Every human has a a perverted idea of what original sin is.
0: Yes, they sure do. Yeah.
1: So how do you repent of CO2?
0: You can't.
1: No, you can't burn a fire. You can't eat your house. You can't transport yourself around. Right. (laughs) uh, I pointed out one time that Noah... uh, Made a bird offering, and it was a soothing, excuse me, soothing aroma to the Lord. Yeah, he forgot to tell Noah it's a sin to produce CO two.
0: Right. Well, and there again, going back to God said, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth."
1: Well, that's there a sin is too. sadly
0: a right. There is sadly a, the a generation of young adults that now think the worst thing they can do is have children because. They're producing CO2 and having a carbon footprint and destroying the earth. And it is really a sad situation.
1: Right. And next week, I want to go to this neuro theology, which will be coming up here. Yes. And what ends up happening is when Christians make claims that they're supposed to be the ones ruling over the nations rather than trusting God to save people out of the perdition and face the judgment that everyone's facing and that we're going to be in charge and we're going to make a millennium then christians will certainly get the blame for everything that goes wrong
0: right we will and
1: the fact is we live in a fallen world and the only hope we have is to believe in jesus christ repent ask for the forgiveness of sins for the shed blood that jesus provided on the cross he proved his claims when he was raised from the dead and no one after the fact said the tomb was actually excuse me that the tomb wasn't empty or had a dead body still in it
0: right they were so the one thing is for certain that tomb was empty
1: the tomb was empty even and even the people,
0: secular historians say the tomb was empty
1: right i once read a very brilliant guy who decided to go and refute this. Okay. And all the evidence pointed to the fact that the tomb was empty. Wow. Another person, that person became a Christian. Another one, and I don't have the name right now, I believe a British fellow, concluded the evidence points that there was an empty tomb, and that the claim was likely correct, but that's only for the Jews because he didn't want to believe. Right. Wow. So, The objective evidence points us to that, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, according to Romans. Yes. So we need to preach the gospel. And even now, someone may be hearing us believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He not only was one who died for sins, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the only one who could atone for sins. Being fully human and fully God, the Messiah, he predicted his own death, burial, and resurrection and was so raised. He appeared to many witnesses. Acts said that he bodily ascended into heaven before witnesses. Yes. And so believe in him. Turn to him. That's the message throughout Acts. Turn to Christ. By the way, turn and repent are used synonymously in the book of Acts. Yes. If you turn to God, you repent it. Repented means turn from serving self, sin, human religions, man-centered philosophies. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ; His claims are true. Now, what people don't want to believe is that there's a future judgment. Yeah, and that's exactly what Emergent says. But these teachers that we cited in this article. Are saying the problem is we haven't taken dominion over the spirit realm, human governments, and everything else as Christians, and we can't expect anything good to happen until we take control. Wow. And I'm saying that's false. It's unbiblical. And if you just want to study history, when did that ever happen in a way that actually honored God? Right. Never. No. Christendom, as I've been saying, it's a mission field. It's not Christianity. It's a mission field.
0: All right. Do you want to just give us a quick wrap-up? And we will talk about neurotheology next week.
1: Yes. The scriptures are uniquely the Word of God, the infallible Word of God, spoken by Holy Spirit-inspired authors that claim is made in the Old and New Testaments Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, and so on. God has spoken. And so we, scripture alone is how we know what God said. Faith alone is how we believe what God said. Grace alone is the only way that anyone would believe these things, but God gives us grace. And Christ is the only Savior. And all of this God does for the glory of God alone. So this article that i wrote in 1998 says that anything else really is dishonoring to god
0: all right we are out of time for this edition of critical issues commentary radio you can access this episode and years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org while you're there click on contact and send us a message we'd love to hear from you we want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus.
1: And Bob B. Wayne
0: We'll see you next week.